see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, a guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Listen to this, David, and enjoy. Oh, yeah, guy. June 26th, Tuesday of the year 2018. And you're listening to Spit, the Spit podcast. Surfing Bavardage. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales. That's my word of the day, David. Bavardage. It's a good word. I'll share that one with my mom. But there's no day of the week that starts with B. So she can't use it. There's got to be. How about... Um, you know, like she does the... Sunday bun day or... Uh, no. The, the yeah. first letter has to match. Do you want to know what today was? Sure. Uh, David's mother's word of the week. Word of the day. Thaumaturgy Tuesday. Okay, where uh, thaumaturgy? That must be some sort of. Um, it sounds medical. Right? It does, it, well, it sounds like a, like a study, like a, a scientific study, like a thom. What's a thaumaturgy? It's like the study of. Okay. Um, it's thom thaumaturgy. It's like something to do with the with it's, the body. It's from the Greek meaning miracle or marvel. Meaning work in the capable capability of a magician or a saint to work magic or miracles. Wow. Hmm. That's a cool word. Yeah. Interesting. Thaumaturgy. Again, this this experiment, this word of the day experiment of hers is four years old at this point. So she's get she's How do going I get deep. on this email? I would love to get on this email. I'll tell you why. Sen- okay, yeah. This is why. Because as you know, I do the surf report for San Diego for KPBS, PBS radio in San Diego. I do yeah. this report every morning and every afternoon. And part of my mojo, if you will, I was going to say shtick, but it's not shtick, is I throw some one or two interesting words into my, to mix it up, because you can only say it's two to three feet in so many different ways. So I would love to get on this so I could throw some of your mother's words into my surf report on PBS. Um, Thaumaturgy. That that would be a cromulent effort, Scott. Cromulent. Wonderful. (laughs) Can you, uh, can you for can you how do you, can you will your mom include uh, me on does she send this to siblings and others oh yeah 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 she would love to get it's on grown. her list over the years it's grown and now she's sending it to all sorts of people but since I talked about it or we talked about it on our last show a couple of people texted me and they're like hey can you just forward it to me so now I'm sending it out and it's grown legs here's what I'm thinking of doing posting it in my Instagram stories every single day that way. It's a one shot, and I. Exp- I mean, it, it makes sense for you for sure. It's <laughs> just not for you. Well, because I kind of work off my email. I don't really like. That's not what I do in the morning. Is I don't go to my Instagram. I, I go to my email. Right. And so. Yes, I will share it with you. Special, I will share it with you. Ask your mother, who I've met, who's a wonderful woman. See if you can put my email on her thing. And it's a text. It's a text. Okay. It's a text. Put me in the text chain. I'll forward it to you. Okay. I don't want to add to her workload. Right. I'll forward it to you, but I, I will. Apologize. I'll get, I'll get her clearance to then post it in my Instagram stories as well for any listeners who want to learn a new word every day. Um, she got mad at me one time for posting one of our text exchanges on Instagram. Oh. 
that was so funny to me. And I wasn't making fun of her at all. Like it was just hilarious. It was, um, after a particular episode with Chaz and he had said some outlandish stuff, she said like, don't you dare get a tattoo. Like, and don't you dare like this or that, like don't listen to any of Chaz's advice, you know? So I screenshotted it <laughs> like literally it was that. So I screenshotted it and posted it. Cause it was so funny. And the, the reality is she's the voice of everybody listening. She's the voice of all moms. She's the voice. So it's not, I'm not making fun of her. I'm saying, yes, mom, we're all on your side. Of course, I'm not going to take his marital advice or whatever right. it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but she, she, Thought that I was making fun of her, so she got bummed. But at any rate, I'll get her clearance for this one thing and uh, share it with everybody. What was that word, cromulent? Yeah, did you look it up? No. What is it? It's a made-up word. Oh, it doesn't even <laughs> exist? Chris Johnson sent it. You remember oh, Rainbow? Yeah. Rainbow. Rainbow sent it to me. Um, I'll find his email. Cromulent. Okay, I keep saying, the last two episodes, I keep, I've said the word satiated. Right. And I've had one friend tell me, no, 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 the proper usage would be sated. All right. So then uh, uh, Rainbow sends me an email and the the header says the word say, S-A-Y, she, S-H-E, ate Ted, the guy Ted, say she ate Ted. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then he goes, you use this word once each time in the last two episodes. It took me a while to identify it. Did you really mean it to boredom? If not, your usage was cromulent, but not complete, satiated, satisfied as one's appetite or desire to the point of boredom. So I was like, cromulent? What's that mean? So I look it up. Turns out the Simpsons used it in an episode one time to make fun of somebody who was using big, you know, superfluous words. But they they made up the word just to make fun of that person. And then the general public ran with it. And so I don't think it's, it's a word. Now I don't it's, think it's in the dictionary yet, it but it's commonly be. used. What's that dictionary where it's like, like I don't want to say pop culture dictionary, but isn't there a dictionary? There's that's, urban dictionary. Urban, thank yeah. you. That's right. It must be in the urban dictionary. Yeah. Cromulent. For sure. So it means making fun of people that use big words? Like, let's let's make it's a like definition. Un, it's like an unnecessarily oh, large. Usage. Yeah, yeah. Like where it's just like crowbarred in. Exactly. And then I told him. Okay, cromulent is an adjective that was coined by David X. Cohen. Since it was coined, it has appeared in the Dictionary.com's 21st century lexicon. The meaning of cromulent is inferred only from its usage, which indicates that it is a positive attribute. Dictionary.com defines it as meaning fine or acceptable. Okay, so that's different than what I was saying. But um, the episode of The Simpsons was in 1996. Lisa the Iconoclast is the episode. But anyway... Rainbow sent that to me and I go, dude, I'm totally going to use that word with Scott next week and just see how he responds, see if he reacts, see if maybe. And then he goes, um, Johnson or Rainbow replied and he goes, it'll glaze over Scott in a moment, but he will take it home to his wife to explain it to him. That's so true. <laughs> He's actually got me figured out. Now I'm scared. Rainbow. Rainbow's the Rainbow best. is almost, um, what's the word we use? Thromulate? Throm Cromulent? No, no. The, oh, thermatological. Yeah, that was almost thermatological. There was almost magic in Rainbow's... Good uh, usage. Good thermo- usage. Thermatological. By well, the way... Oh, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say Rainbow's from New Zealand. So people you obviously... They the won't English, let him off of that island. That's by the true. Way. He's, uh, he's on the list. They won't even let him onto the North Island. Good. Uh, They're smart. But different cultures who speak different versions of English kind of use things differently. So 
when he was complaining about my usage of satiated, I was like, dude, it doesn't mean to boredom. You use it to mean to the point of boredom. I don't use it that way. And I looked it up. The dictionary confirms my usage. Is it simultaneous or simultaneous? Sim- I would say simultaneous. I would. But I was listening to the World Cup this morning on the way in, and they said simultaneously. Was it a British It was. It was a British lady. Yeah. yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say... Um, you and your fiance we're not should join, engaged should join us in December at the coach house in San Juan Capistrano right up the street here as we celebrate all things Led Zeppelin. Oh, that's why you're playing that. As Led Zeppelin again is playing at the coach house. Awesome. You already I, got tickets? I have tickets. Okay. And you and your loved one should buy tickets <laughs> as well. What are you expediting this process for? I'm just for having me? fun with you. Look. But are you joke like you're actually did you right now know that it was a joke or did you think that we were actually engaged no i made light of it okay originally good. i'm just trying to no it's funny fuel the theme of the show as we move through me trying to get you to get married and have children i don't even understand what your reasoning i don't is have any it. other than you seem like a fine couple and why wouldn't you oh really it's your mother your mother deserves New grandkids. I can make grandkids for without getting married. <laughs> Apparently, maybe there are. So I've been getting emails, so <laughs> could happen. Um, I don't know if you said it, but we're at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Yes, Shaq. Love Shaq. Uh, the Smithsonian of the surfing world, filled with incredible uh, surfboards, each one with a story and a tale of its own. And we're in the boardroom slash library that's filled with uh, incredible amount of literature about surfing. S-H-A-C-C dot org. Shack. Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Um, I have a couple of follow-ups from the last time I saw you. What about Neat Essentials? Do we need to crowbar some Neat Essentials in there? We do. I wouldn't even crowbar it in. I'm not. I was just kidding. I sort of said that to like make light of it. Yeah. And to make Rob cringe a little. (laughs) I actually went over. I met. um, It was founded. Rob runs the U.S. Neat Essentials. But. I um, went down there and met the actual founder of the company, who's from Australia. Yes. And, Is he uh, an older bloke? No, younger. He's like my age, okay, but yeah. fascinating dude. Right. Like worked for Quicksilver in a design capacity. Um, grew up right outside of Bell's on a farm, like full rule farm, hard work existence as a youth. And then um, went to art school, design school, and started working in a design capacity with Quicksilver, but basically he's throughout his life, he's worked like these two to three year stints and then he'll go on sabbatical for two years and go live on a sailboat. And he has sailed everywhere around the world, surfed, you know, all sorts of radical spots. Cool. Um, and then always came back basically to restock capital and they would be a job available. There was never a promise of a job available, but when he came back, they were just like, yeah, sure. We got something for you. So he'd go back to work for Quicksilver and, a really, really fascinating dude. So that was a good. And then he was off to El Salvador to surf. And I was off to the office to work some more. Oh, man. Sorry about that. Neatessentials.com, though. Well, I heard the up. podcast that you did with Rob a while ago. Yeah. Maybe last year or whenever. Yeah. It's still out there. You can go on to Surf Splendor and check it out. But he's discussed this gentleman. Yeah. Ryan Scanlon. Right. Ryan, they discussed him. Yeah. You guys did. It was cool. Yeah. So Need supports you and I, obviously, with wetsuits, and they just support this podcast. So NeedEssentials.com for all of your wetsuit needs and outerwear for the mountain. Everything you need for the mountain and the ocean. And also, Scott, 
lest we forget, spyoptic.com. Exactly. Uh, helping us see happy. Right. Every day. Let's the good light in, let's the bad light out when you use the happy lens. So spyoptic.com also supports the show. And then use our promo code to um, make sure that they know that we sent you. If you ever need sunglasses, snow goggles, all that stuff. And I think they actually do prescription as well. They do. So um, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast. Right. Um, What were you going to say? Something we were talking about Shaq and then you were going to. I was going to say, I'm having. Oh, I know. Yes. We were talking about cloud break and I was at the end of last show and I was like, dude, somebody needs to name that swell, right? We can't just refer to it as the swell when Kelly had a broken leg. Or, Didn't or, we name it? Isn't it the Ramon should have got deeper swell? No. Well, a listener sent a better yes, much name. Better. Shorter, I hope. Scott would have stalled swell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, <laughs> uh, I love Ramon Navarro and he got an ins- he got the wave of the day out there. But that's a pretty good one. Scott would have stalled swell. <laughs> That's really sad. That really speaks uh, to my own insecurity about the whole situation. I would never have paddled out. I'm much too old. Now, maybe in my 20s when I was in shape, perhaps. No. Even then, you'd think you'd paddle out at that swell. I mean, that even like Alex Gray, I interviewed Alex about it. The guy's a hard charger. And he he was like, he sat on the boat forever waiting. No, I wouldn't then. I wouldn't have. There's no way. Yeah, I have my limits. I like to have fun. And yeah. there's always a fine line. In fact, I was talking to somebody in the parking lot yesterday about this. We were talking about surf trips and where we should go. And it was, we're getting older, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And there's such a fine line between death-defying tubes and, and that being fun and death-defying tubes and that being death-defying. And there's this real gray area because it, all of us like to kind of push our limits a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we also get more comfortable. And like, if you spend 10 days at a spot day one, you might not be as comfortable day 10, you're taking off deep behind the ball and you're pulling in and you figured it out or whatever. And so uh, I guess I'm just sort of riffing on this, this, this bar that this glass ceiling that sort of moves it does relative yeah. to how much we're willing to chew off and where we are with our own fitness. Well, actually, now that I think about it, with you saying in your prime you would have done it, it's interesting when you talk to guys who are there, Dane Godowskis, Alex Gray, they mention a bunch of random dudes, not random, but a bunch of guys whose names you and I don't even know, who right. have never had a photo in the right. magazine, probably not even on the internet, yeah. Just, but they know their names because they, they see them there every swell. Right. Yeah. They're, but they're always there. They target, they work regular jobs from around the world. They go and they hit up and then they're on the best waves. And you know yeah. what? God bless those guys. That's really what it's all about. I mean, there's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something endearing about that guy, that type of guy. And they're everywhere. And I've written about these types of guys, these guys that are just off the radar. They don't even want to be on the radar. There's a reason we don't know their names because right now they're scoring some other little reef pass in, in Fiji that no one's is even thinking about. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Um, another listener feedback was we should develop a curse jar. And then anytime you and I curse on the show, we need to put like whatever the dollar amount is into it. And then the donation goes to Shaq. That's a great idea. Yeah. That would definitely I, keep me from cursing. I guess the last couple of episodes we've cursed more than usual. I'm going to say you did, but I think right. I let no, one I or two did. slide I too. I probably did. And I'm then not proud of that. And he, listens, and he listens to the show in the car with his nine-year-old. I think oh. he said his nine and his 11-year-old. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
So we owe him an apology. And then That's what do you what do you cool. think about the curse jar idea? What's I think it's a great idea. Now? I think it's a very good idea. I don't generally roll around with cash. I'm kind of a card guy. Maybe maybe um, Shaq has a little Square app that we can just plug into and swipe the card. We can pay just PayPal. I can PayPal. Venmo. You can Venmo and I can PayPal. Um, what's the dollar amount? How about a peso a curse word? <laughs> no. I don't know. What is it? If, if that's the case, I'll give you five bucks and just go wild oh, yeah. for the rest no, of the I show. Know. Five bucks, I'm good for 50 curse words. Uh, a dollar a curse word? A dollar seems reasonable. Like that's what you would do in your household. But because we're on the air, I feel like we need to step up our game. You're kidding. Like five bucks or something. I don't know if I can afford that. All right. We'll think about it. We'll figure it out. Um, you wanted to talk about Florida before we turn the mics on. You were going to ask me something about Florida. I was just wondering what it's like to spend a weekend with Chaz. You know, what's funny. So my parents were like, honestly, stay away. Like, don't, don't go partying. Don't, you know? And I'm like, Chaz is tame. Chaz is tame. I, I've gotten to know Chaz decently well. And certainly now after spending the weekend together. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a, Did pers- you have a hotel room together. No, we oh. had, we all had separate rooms, Oh, okay. but, um, I don't want to say it's Did a, they per- pay for your rooms. Were you a judge? Uh, I was a juror. Yes. I'm a juror for the main festival in November, uh-huh. but they just brought me on with this one to host the Q and A's cause oh. Chaz was debuting his documentary as Lisa right. Anderson doc. Right. Right. And so they just brought me on basically to host the Q and A with him and Matt. Oh, cool. Um, but, uh, Florida surf film festival, by the way, is what we're talking about. Chaz, I don't want to say it's a persona that he has on through his writing, but my experience, I expected him to be an a-hole. I won't say a curse word right now, but an That's, a-hole. Does that qualify though? No. Does, that, does the nine-year-old want to, is he right now, is the nine and 11-year-old going, daddy, what does that mean? And daddy has to, I think you owe a buck. Okay. I won't do the five bucks, but I'll do the one buck for that one. Okay. <laughs> I so mean, I, I think, wrong? let me, no, because I made a choice to not say the curse word. Right. I made a choice but to tame it down for the nine-year-old. About it right now. Well, the nine-year-old's asking what cromulent means. Do I owe a buck for that too? No, you but know? cromulent, you, you, can, you could explain cromulent and be like, cool, my son just learned a new word that I want him to use today the at, son, in kindergarten. The son probably knows it because they watch The Simpsons more than the dad does. <laughs> anyway, um, when I first encountered Chaz, I think I interviewed him for the first book, Welcome to Paradise, mm-hmm. Now Go to Heck. <laughs> Wait a minute. This brings up an important point. Yeah. That's the real title of the book. I think you're allowed to use the real title of the book. I just thought you were going to tax me. Well, I'm just asking. I mean, we're All learning right. as we go here. Right. I, I Welcome think- to paradise. Now go to hell. Okay, That's a buck. So I, <laughs> so I interviewed him for that and I was anticipating him being a jerk. I was just like, all right, this guy. And it turns out he was like super nice, very um, sincere, earnest. And like, I've gotten to know him over the years, of course. And he's a family guy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And so sure. I, maybe he was a different person back then. But when he wrote the book, he's writing about being in, um, you know, being captured by Hezbollah and imprisoned in the Middle East and all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure he lived a different life. But now it's like in Florida, he was tame. Warshaw's one that you might want to watch out for, dude. Warshaw's got some stories, some war stories. I've been, I know Matt pretty well. I know We've you been do. On trips. I speak with him on the phone. We, <laughs> yeah. So Chaz was totally tame. We had a blast though. The reality is like Warshaw's mid fifties, Chaz's mid forties, I'm mid thirties. And we all come from kind of different backgrounds and we all live in different areas and we're living different lives. Um, but we're all very, I think, respectful of one another's space. And so sure. it was like easy to travel with them. Mm-hmm. You always worry if you're traveling, doing these long road trips that somebody's going to, I don't know, 
whatever. Yeah, It'd just something. be tough to travel with, right. you know? And they're not. It's like everybody is pretty um, respectful of one another at a sure. stage in their life where they have families and they just don't care about sure. screwing around. Sure. And uh, everybody was on their best behavior, but we had a blast. Everybody cares about surfing, and so lots of stories of behind-the-scenes stuff. It was fun. What about Chaz's book? I'm midway through it right now. Have you read it yet? I've read the entire book. Did you interview him? You were going to interview no, him. No, you know, we, we were going to interview last week. And then he waved off and I waved off on the oh, same day for, okay. two, for two different reasons. I reached out to him to do it yesterday and I haven't heard back from him. And I just sent him a text today because I have a story idea for him for Beach Grit. Yeah. Which I can reveal right now because I don't want to leave the listeners hanging. So I, there's, I was on Fantasy Surfer picking my fantasy team for Jay Bay. It's coming up July 2nd. Kelly Slater has a new profile pic. Oh, wow. And he has got glasses on. And Sunglasses? I thought to myself, yes. Oh, I've seen that one. It's new, though. It's not the same thing. It's fantasy. relatively new. And I thought to myself, this is a story for Beach Grid. <laughs> like, Chaz can do a story just on this picture. Because, Why the glasses? He well, looks more like a CEO. It looks like, first of all, there must have been, somebody must have said, let's change the picture of Kelly. Was it the fantasy surfer guys or was it Kelly's people? Because they were trying to make him. He looks like, um, he looks like an Italian Formula One driver or something, you know, like he could. You're like, right. Why? That's a new photo. Why? I have not seen that photo before. It's black and white. Yes. The previous one, he was wearing a sweater and a collared shirt that was like, and it was very preppy because the collared shirt was coming up the sweater and he had sunglasses. He's wearing electric sunglasses because I think they were owned by the caring group. Maybe was that the connection yeah, there? Maybe. And then, but when have you ever seen Kelly in sunglasses? It's a rarity Never. for him to ever wear them. And so there's, I just wrote yeah, right. Chaz and email. I sent him the picture. I said, dig, dig, dig. This is good for three paragraphs. Oh, it's three articles, dude. He stretches stuff. <laughs> but they're each three paragraphs it. long. Yeah, exactly. That's um, a good story. So you should interview him. Um, I want or to. I'll be curious I to can, hear. Do you want to talk about the book? Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, so the premise of the book is that um, cocaine and surfing have this love affair. And the chapter, basically the first part of it, he meets with Matt Warshaw and he comes to the conclusion that Surfing actually started in Peru where the cocoa leaf has started. So there's, that's why there's a connection. So he makes this big leap that although the guys that were fishing in Peru rode waves in as just a means of transportation to get their boats in. Well, I forget the name of them, those ancient Peruvian mm -hmm. fishing vessel things. Um, that that is in fact surfing. And he flew all the way to Seattle to meet with Matt to determine whether or not this is actually surfing. And Matt said, no, not really. This was just their way of getting in. And yes, they rode swells, but there wasn't a, a like cognizant, um, you know, a purpose or reason to go out and catch waves other than it was just a, a way to get in. And Chaz said it's equivalent to you work all day and on your bike ride home from work, it just happens to be downhill. And so you put your feet up on the handlebars and you just coast home. That's basically what the Peruvian fishermen were doing. But Chaz said, damn Damn it, surfing, surfing, riding waves is riding waves. These were the first surfers. So he takes this huge leap right away, Yeah, which I'm okay with. Yeah, It's fun. You know, it's a very lighthearted read. I laughed out loud probably five or six times right. because there's so many surfers are the worst moments in this book. Totally. And um, so he takes that leap right there that cocaine and surfing are forever sort of tied together based on this connection with Peru and the coca leaf. And then he just kind of draws a line through various anecdotal situations through surfing it's actually a pretty interesting small concise history of surfing in a way you know in his sort of version of it yeah and um 
basically what he gets at, you know, I won't get too far into it because people should read the book. But basically, I think what he's really trying to say is surfing's a little bit dirty. It's always been a little bit dirty. Surfing was looked at in the 50s as a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It was looked at like a biker gang, like. A, oh, yeah, like a sub counterculture. So, thank you. Counterculture. Yes, that's the word. Counterculture vibe. And it's all, and that's what surfing is. And now you've got like Paul Speaker in the WSL and certain all the clothing companies. And they're all trying to kind of gloss over our past and our history and who we are sanitize it. And that's just not right. And quite frankly, he's correct. Yeah, I agree. And it's also, um, it's dishonest. And that's part of the reason why you fail whenever you want to fail quickly with a brand, be dishonest, be unauthentic. And I think that's kind of really what he's saying. Like he makes some pretty major leaps Yeah. and he has sort of a love affair with Michael Thompson. And, you know, he's, he's definitely got his, you know, he's, you know, his opinions and his points of view, which are great, you know, which are all Chaz, which we all kind of love. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to agree with all of them. And um, it's a fun book. I mean, it's a simple, fun, easy, witty, yeah. enjoyable read. But you, he does take big leaps. And if you just go along with the big leaps, you eventually get to the end of it, which is surfing is dirty. That's why we love it. And and it's true. Which you know? was uh, Warshaw's introduction in the book not the introduction what's that um prologue prologue but Warsh preface? yeah a preface that's what it was warshaw wrote it and it was like you know it's sad that the days are gone of the adventurer and the but they're um, not we right just don't exactly them. we just talked well, about no, those guys in it's, fiji it's yeah you're right it's not gone it's that everything outward facing from surf brands the ones who are like promoting surf identity is sanitized and it's so far removed from what it was back in the seventies on the North shore. And he, and so he was saying, and when you look into the future, the way that the WSL is going and the Olympics and blah, 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 it's only going to get worse. I, but I just, see, I disagree. I think that the dirty truth, like truth always rises to the surface. You know yeah. what I mean? Like eventually our culture will get so comfortable with it that they will celebrate it. And Chaz is going to be part of that. Like this book is part of yeah. will be a, a small part of helping people to realize, hey, this is who we are. It's okay to have a wart or two or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and the simultaneously, the WSL and the Olympics will exist. It'll just become something completely different yes. than surfing is. And 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 he also, I, I think what he's, one of the things that I would like to talk with him about, and maybe because I don't have the book in front of me, maybe I'm missing this, but he also his thesis suggests that the WSL is in complete control of our culture and where we're going. And, and I just don't agree with that. I don't agree with it. You know either. what I mean? Yeah. Like you and I look to guys like Pat Rawson and Rex Marichal and board builders around the world as the people that are sort of guiding our culture in some respect, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a good read. It's a, it's a fun read. And at the end of the day, the good news is surfing is a little dirty and it will always be a little dirty. And mm -hmm. there's no amount of, Paul speakerisms that, you know, there's no amount of glossing over it that, that you can do. Um, it just is what it is. It, it, you know, these stories are going to well, come. Yeah. It requires a certain surfing requires a certain human being to go out there and challenge the elements and persevere and wake up early and travel to these destinations, live ruggedly, make your own way that if you're completely sanitized, and you need um, literally hand sanitizer to before every meal, you won't make those journeys, you know? So you're already a self-selecting sample by even doing the act, unless you're just doing it on the weekends in Huntington Beach on a soft top or something. 
But um, so you already have that. That's why those stories come out about all the drug usage and all the hard partying and stuff. You know, it's funny. When you think about the WSL, you, you certainly think about, okay, this is sort of a glossed over, um, marketed, well thought out, um, you know, exhibit of what they consider to be surfing. And you and I love it and all that. But when you really think about what is it about the, the broadcast that we love besides the surfing and stuff, like the actual heart pounding pipeline or whatever it is, right? There's moments in the podcast when truth and honesty is coming out through the through usually Martin Potter or Barton Lynch or Rabbit Bartholomew if he happens to step in. A lot of the other broadcasters don't go too off the path, so to speak. But when you hear them talk about, oh, the the tussles we used to get in during these man on man heats or, oh, the parties we had in France, you know, and somebody will roll their eyes and it it stops there. They don't go deeper than that. But that's really the part where you kind of get a little like twinkle in your eye yeah. and you go, oh, there is this thing behind the surface that is truth. And um, I think, you know, Chaz's book sort of speaks to that stuff's always going to bubble to the surface and, and we're going to hear more about it. And what will really be sad is when they start marketing that, when a corporation, a clothing company goes, hey, let's market the kind of squalid side of surfing that's what Lost did, right? Yeah, they did it very authentically, though. Yeah, and they no, were really it was. corporate. Totally. I mean, like when like a caring group goes, hey, you know what? These right. 14-year-olds are really going right. to dig if we put needles in our arms. Right, right. Then right, it's right, going right. to be like, okay, wait a minute. You know, it's right. part of our, we're not glorifying it. We're just acknowledging it. That's right. the difference, you know? And sometimes there's a little bit of glorifying of cocaine usage in Chad's book, in Chaz's book, Chad. <laughs> yeah. I, Apparently he, yeah, Chaz, Chad, sorry, I apologize. Charles, Char- doesn't Matt call him Charlie? Yeah. Did he do that during the Florida? Does Exclusively. He, Charlie? he only refers to him as yeah, Charles, right. Charles or Charlie. Um, anyway, good well, book. Well, that's good. Good I'm, book. Yeah, I'm really enjoying what I've read thus far. Um, it's a light read. It's easy, but it's entertaining. It's totally entertaining. By the way, I got an email from somebody who goes, dude, I am so glad you're not reading that book called <laughs> Surfing with Satire. Oh, really? Sartre. Sartre surfing with Sartre. He's oh, like, wow. I tried, I tried to read that book and it was just way too much. And it's I, dense. And I listened, I won't say what no, he, he listened to the pod that you guys did. He goes, the most boring pod I've ever no heard. Way. He's like, thank God for not doing it. And so that's awesome. I, well, but I in contrast mean, to that, yes. Um, I'll read you what I just saw this morning. Somebody left a comment on the website said absolutely love to read the book um good read for everybody aaron james is a very interesting to listen to articulate and smart one of my favorite episodes so far thanks dave so you get a little bit of everything but it is dense the book itself is dense and i was going to use it to contrast what Chaz was saying about the peruvians riding the waves in on the boats because aaron james discusses that in his book as well but um it doesn't say whether it's surfing or not he just uses it as kind of an origin story for where surfing came from but says that surfing as a leisure activity or anything at all as a leisure activity activity is a rarely new phenomenon. Like for culture to even indulge in leisure is like a hundred years old for the vast, vast majority of human Nate history. Yeah. It was just, you're trying to survive and you're trying not to get sick. They're just now sort of like looking at it, like the government itself is going, well, I guess we'll let them have some fun. Yeah. Not um, make them work 18-hour days. But Aaron's point in the book was that not only are we 
incredibly grateful to be born into this time, but there's actually tremendous value in pursuing the sublime and pursuing things of beauty. It actually services um, society yes. in beneficial ways. I would totally And agree that's that. where he then makes the leap to like reducing carbon emissions by surfing instead of work and all that sort of stuff. Does he, I'm sure he does. I was, because when you said that, I leaped to, um, or I leapt to, leapt or leaped? I jumped to, it's a relief of our anxieties, just on a personal level, oh, yeah. not so much on a communal level, but yeah. just personally running, surfing, biking, climbing, yoga, whatever it is, it allows us a release. It gets the brain's, brain science going. It lets the chemistry out. And yeah. And so it relieves your anxiety. So you're probably a better human being. Right. But you're also, I would argue, a more productive human being. You will then. That's a subjective call. But I would argue it. I right. think, and even um, big like Google and big tech companies actually have started to incentivize employees for sleeping eight hours a day because they know I'd rather have you restored and healthy. Like sleep is directly related to your health. Right. So we'd rather have you healthy and productive at work because if you're able to bang out five hours of hyper productive work, that's more valuable to us than making you sit in a cubicle for nine hours where you're checking Facebook most of the day. You it's know? sort of a generalization, though. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I mean, there's guys, very famous people, that, that like Teddy Roosevelt, for, for example. But there's a lot of these type A's that were four-hour sleepers mm -hmm. and would just read you know, tons of books. You know, or what, you know, so I don't think we can kind of paint a broad brush. Now, it's probably true. Maybe it is true. Maybe a broad brush is okay. 80% of the society should do that. But I think there are some outliers. Yeah, uh, definitely. Always. Now, you mentioned something interesting, that which Aaron mentions, Aaron James mentions, which Chad jumps on, which is this idea. Chad. Chad, sorry. <laughs> There's, is this idea that if, in fact, riding waves or riding swells to get in from work is, in fact, surfing then it must go way deeper than Peru. I would argue that it Good could be point. argued that Vikings on their way in from war or from pillaging or whatever the hell they did, when they rode in through the inlet, they probably at some point lifted the oars up and coasted in on swells and subconsciously, unconsciously, maybe consciously acknowledged that they were getting a little lift in and it was kind of neat for, there, for a second or two. Therefore, I'm not classifying it as surfing. Well, I'm saying if you do buy into yeah. that, then yeah. Vikings were the first surfers. Yeah. How's that, Norway? <laughs> Jay, call Chaz right now. Tell him his book's totally wrong. He should have done his research. I think it's research. right, but it's just, let's take, it to, deep let's take it to the... I Yeah, so I think if we're going to define surfing, it's not as riding swells and waves. It's as standing up riding those waves. No, I think Aaron nailed it. It's it's when you're in pursuit of leisure, joy and leisure yeah. rather than work, right? Right. Yeah. Interesting. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. 
more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, shall we get into the show, Dude, Scott? there's a surf ranch in Japan. Just broke. The news breaking just news, broke. Breaking news. You and I are breaking it right now. <laughs> By the time we publish this, everybody will already know. <laughs> I got this from Beach Grit this morning. I'm sure you saw this as well. Um. You and I, though, have been waxing on for quite a bit about there's going to be a contingency pool. We believe it, even though the ISA and Fernando and all these people are saying, we've talked to the Olympic officials and there are no plans as of yet for a surf pool in Chiba. Well, it just so happens that they have land has been acquired, an American company with a professional surfer as sort of the brand ambassador has already been in, well, let me read here, a residence briefing session was, was held. And there were no objections to a wave pool being built in Kisaruzu City, Chiba. Kisaruzu City, Chiba. According to the story, when completed, it will be able to do a full-scale surfing competition and will host a pro surfer world competition and so on. According to officials, a United States company supervised by a famous surfer founded a Japanese corporation last March and started the preliminary work. The planned construction site is on 57 hectares 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 near the Atisayama Expressway. Land acquisition was completed by March this year. That's important, David. The size of the wave pool, 580 meters in length, 150 meters in width, and equipped with a device that generates artificial waves by electronic control and generates waves up to about two meters in height. Construction is planned to start in September. It will be finished this December. The company aims to open between January and March of 2019. Oh, my, David. Let me ask you my first question. Who's the pro surfer? That's, who do you think it is? That's a great question. Um, I can give you some insight based on my knowledge with the surf park industry. It could be obviously Shane Magnuson or Jamie O'Brien. No, it wouldn't be. This is a surf ranch. This is a KS Wave Co. No, technology. we don't know that. They're just saying that it's a KS Wave. They're just saying that it doesn't say who it is. It just says that. It just says the title of uh, Sh- Derek Riley's article on Beach Grid says Chiba gets surf ranch in time. Yeah, for but surf ranch is now a generic term for a wave pool. Surf ranch is actually specifically the Lemoore property. So even if they built a KS Wave Co. in Chiba, they wouldn't call it surf ranch. This would ranch. say KS Wave Co. if it was KS Wave Co. In okay. my opinion, I think Derek's just using surf ranch as just sort of a fun generic yeah. term for, oh, it's a wave pool. They're yeah, building he a surf shouldn't. Ranch. He shouldn't. Well, yeah. Why not? It's beach grit. What do you? Well, I I got it. I get it. So okay, I so don't think it's Shane. Surfer? So it could be Jamie. It could be Shane. I don't think. Well, what's Jamie's affiliation? 
he's well he tied he's tied in with Red Bull and he's tied in with Shane through the uh, American Wave Machines people. No, he's not. Well, he was there. They're friends. Yeah, no, he was, all, there's a million people that have surfed yeah, it. Yeah, but, but well, I mean, I guess I'm saying if you were a company, why wouldn't you choose okay, Jamie? Okay, so you're he's asking got, who are, okay. Who do you think it is? So who it's not it necessarily somebody who has an actual tie to one of those brands. It's just who would well, they want as their. Maybe it does. I think Masatoshi Ono. Kanoa Igarashi, even better. That's a great It's one. Kanoa. It's Kanoa. That's a pretty damn good one. I didn't even think of that one. I was thinking Shane Besh and, because I know he's tied to one of these companies. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. And then I thought, well, Jamie, because he's kind of tight, I mean, with Shane, and if it's American Wave Machines and they're asking Shane, who should we get? He's probably going, Jamie would be good because he's got an insane blog and he's got a million viewers and followers. And Who actually follows it, though? I mean, do you know any surfers that follow it? That's a good point. I think it's a bunch of people. No. I don't either. (laughs) No, they post videos of them like going down some big storm drain on a boogie board. And I'm like, I have no interest in watching that. What Um, about Shane Dory? Yeah, it could be Shane, but why would it be Shane? I don't know. What's his connection to Japan? Or it could be Rob Machado because he's an icon in Japan. Like he's super, you know, he is like the number one athlete, surf athlete in Japan. But I think Kanoa is the right call. I think Kanoa. I think Rob would be better than Kanoa based on what you just said. Rob is legacy, but Kanoa is the future. Right. So I think it'd be Kanoa or maybe um, a local Japanese guy who's on his way up like Hiroto Arai or. Or is it? Well, it's an American company, though, huh? It's a U.S. company. Because I was wondering maybe it's Aki or Barton Lynch if they're part of that one in Australia. But it is a U.S. company. There's only two U.S. companies that I know of. I'm sure there's way more than that. But as I think, there's American Wave Machines and there's KS Wave Co. Yeah. That have proven, that have um, proof of concept, you know, quite I mean, literally. I mean, wh- which company do you think it is? I would bet significantly that it's ks wave co maybe i mean yeah i mean i i, I think it's 50 50 i i just 50 50 yeah i'd go like 80 20 okay just because maybe you're right the association with the world tour like the governing body of surfing yeah and no you're right they've already done like 80 20 you're they've right. already done an event there they've got yeah. proof of concept in terms of running yeah. the actual competition uh which I think, wave would you rather see there in competition, I think I'd rather see the American Wave Machines company right now just because of the excitement level, the unpredictability level. Yeah. But with the changes that KS yeah, Wave Co is making, right. it could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I still feel like throwing an air section at the end on the KS Wave Machines, like, I don't know, it's almost like they're trying too hard or something. Well, <laughs> like they're just they're they adapting have- to the competition instead of doing it on their own. But they have to. I mean, I think they need to. Well, they it's do. the right thing to do. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they're like, hey, yeah. it wasn't just Scott and David who came up with this great idea. No. We do We do need to mix it up. We're the voice of the people, though. Oh, we are. Um, so this oh. is not a surprise, by the way. This idea of the wave or them using a wave pool in Japan, we've been wondering if it was going to happen. We heard rumors it was going to happen. I asked Dave Prodan, is this going to happen? He basically said. I told you it was going to happen. Yeah, you did. Um, Maurice Cole, this is, this actually leads more credence to what you're suggesting that it's going to be a KS wave company. I agree because of what Maurice Cole said. Totally. The Australian surfing Olympic team or whatever, the governing body is sending a bunch of Australian surfers over here to, they already did. Yeah. The full Aussie Olympic team was already there training with, have they already picked the Australian Olympic team? 
I don't know if it's finalized or not, but, but they had a crew of guys, crew, yeah. Stewie Kennedy and whoever else. Oh, really? Ethan Ewing. And is that why I saw recent footage of Mick Fanning riding yeah. a twin fin? At, and he was freaking ripping. Yeah. And shapers and coaches oh, and okay. everybody. They rented it out for multiple days and did a full training session there. And when that's, I saw it. That makes it go 90-10. Exactly. It's a KS Wave company. When I, or, yeah, that's true. It, but when I saw that happen, I was wondering, I'm like, why are they doing that? And I didn't really connect the dots with the Olympics. I don't know. It's an easy leap to make. I don't know why I didn't connect it. But when Maurice said that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. So. Wow. Big news. Yeah. That is pretty big news. Um, Did you see Kelly's back at? Oh, yeah. we You talked about the fantasy thing. Kelly's back at J-Bay. Kelly's back at J-Bay. Hell, Yeah. For three million bucks, why wouldn't you put him on your team? I know. Are you putting him on your team? I'm going to put him on the team, but I don't expect him to get past. He's got a tough heat. Kanoa and Kanoa and Italo. Oh dang! I know. Yeah, but Kelly, I mean, well, I mean, it's it tough is for tough... all three of them, in my opinion. Totally, it's like, it's like totally, it's tough for all three of them. That, that's like a final. I guess. Yeah, I think. I, I don't see Kelly getting really past round three in this event, really? even though he's like got a long, important rec- track record at J Bay. He's, he'd be easy. Why to put him in. You know, coming off of injury is already really tough. Um, is he really coming off of injury? Not really. Yeah. No, he's been surfing a ton. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then also I just his just, heart, not being in it. That's the key. But that's what my complaint was last year at J Bay when he was injured and he blitzed round one, that round one heat, he was back in his old form. So I think really what it comes down to is whether the waves are going to be good or not. Yeah. If the waves are overhead, double overhead and pumping, I'd put my money on him. If they're not round three. Hmm. What about Mickey, Wright? Mikey, Wright? Mickey, Wright. Mikey, Mikey, Wright. I like him. He's a good pick. Um, this is where I think guys, Mikey Wright will stand out. Wade Carmichael will stand out where we, what about Willen Cardoso here? Yes. Ah, so his suit, his surfing is suited to it. However, coming off of a big win, it'd be let down a little bit of a letdown. I don't know that he can show up and blow up two times in a row or three times in a row. Cause Karamas was really strong. I think this is where you're going to see guys like, this is where Michael see- Rodriguez is where I'm that's the big question mark for me. Michael Rodriguez, phenomenal surfer in punchy beach breaks, but will we see him draw that out on the long canvas? This is a wave that it's like pipeline. You this is where the guys that have been on tour for a while, yeah. the veterans do well here. This is a, a wave where you put Joel Parkinson on your team, you put Owen Wright on your team. You know, you, you get it, right? You put Adriano, you know, or yeah. you don't, but you would look at him and go this guy surfed this wave a ton of times right and you stay away from is Thomas Hermes even yes. on tour you stay away from him you stay away from rookies you might stay away from Griffin Colapinto it's a good that's I a dropped, big question mark him off of my team I, did you guess who I put on my team you're gonna cringe mm, Wiggly Dantas no <laughs> he's, he's in it Michael February oh because he's South African because he surfed there a bunch yeah I don't he's, think it's a good pick it was, I was kind of hemming and hawing, but I kind of leave felt him. like, I think he was a million five. Leave him. I'm for leave my him. benefit. Oh, for your benefit. But I kind of looked at it like, look, he's going to be home crowd favorite. Everyone's going to be rooting for him. Yeah. I guess Jordy too, but, and he knows the wave. And I think that friggin' knock knee kind of quirky, I haven't filled out my body yet style might suit 
solid Jay Bay. Like, I don't think you'll see, you know, quite as knock need. You'll see more full blown big carves. I don't know. I think we'll see. I, I'm not happy about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm just, it's a, it's a roll of the dice, I guess. I think we'll see the best surfing from him all year at this venue. This will be the venue that he surfs best at, but I don't think it's good enough to beat Kanoa on Kanoa's off day. You know what I mean? I think Kanoa could take him out at 50%. Yeah, that's true. Um, or Griffin for that matter. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about in today's show was my revitalized love of surf film just as a medium. And Griffin Colapinto is one of those reasons why. Well, I mean, I guess the Florida Surf Film Festival is one of the reasons why just watching it in a theater with a bunch of people who get hyped is the best venue for surf film. But Griffin's new edit, did you watch it? It's called no. Volume One. No, I didn't see it. Basically tracks him through Australia, um, the first leg of the tour. It's 16 minutes long, which is tough to push play on nowadays. 16 minutes is a lot to ask when watching a surf edit, but it was entertaining the entire time. Griffin is a natural, he's like a savant level talent. He's a freak. He's a great surfer. He really is. It's freaky. Like watching him at snapper. I don't know if you remember, he got that triple barrel in the event. That was a 10 and watching him surf in the free surfs in this video. It's really impressive to watch him hucking the fins and all that high performance surfing. But then the next segment is at bells and watching him lay down long drawn out arcs into bottom turns and comboing up all this energy with flow was like freakish. It's like, Whoa, he's really, really, he's just talent. He's uber, uber talent. He's like a savant, you know? So it's impressive. It comes natural to him. Doesn't it? It really does. It doesn't work for it. But then he's in West Oz in the, the final section and they show one clip of Jack Robinson at North point. And you go, holy crap, Jack Robinson, <laughs> he's like a different level. And maybe just at that venue, but Jack Robinson is amazing. Like even Who's a better surfer? It, I think like as a more well-rounded surfer, probably Griff, but I'd rather watch Jack. Jack is, it's so amazing. Yeah. He seems like the guy, like when he's, when he's 35 years old, Jack Robinson, he's going to be like 210 pounds. And just fully charging at crazy slabs in Oz and like working on a fishing trawler. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, if he doesn't end up on tour or just living his dream as a pro surfer, it'll be a complete waste. He will until he's like 30. No, but okay, maybe. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, the thing was he was supposed to be the next, like it was him and Kanoa on quick. And then when he went to Billabong, it was like, he's going to be the next John John. He's going to be the next Andy actually, because he's got Andy style and he's great at, pipe and back door and all those big barreling spots, Chopu. But he just hasn't quite delivered. Him, right? The QS stymied him. And I, I've heard rumblings or maybe just on the internet that like there's some um, parental management, issues. parental kind of management things that are yeah. kind of like getting in the way of him just living, yeah, like shining his brightest. So he I ends up that, spending think... a lot of time in Oz, just not leaving. Yeah. And, uh, but when you watch that, just one wave in Griffin's edit, you go, holy cow. Cause Griffin was surfing at a hundred percent. Jack just went to like one ten. Yeah. It's crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we need to start some sort of, um, movement, some hashtag to get Jack Robinson on tour. It has to happen. I mean, it has to happen organically. 
He's got to earn it a little bit. You can't just gift it to him. Did you happen to see the relic modern classic longboard world tour at Malibu yesterday? I was going to go. I was going to go, but it didn't. My schedule didn't allow. June 24th, 25th was the. Uh, I watched it and I was engaged by it. I got Oh, it say, was available online? This was the marketing of all. This is like. This is the way. If I was to start a tour, like the Purple Blob Tour, my Purple Blob Tour. Yeah. <laughs> what they did is they just go, hey, Surfline, how much to just roll it on your site? So all you had to do was go to Surfline and on Surfline, they're like, watch it now. I click, boom. And there was a killer feed of the whole event. And it was insane. It was like super high def and super top quality. And so, and I thought to myself, what a marketing move. Instead of like building your own web platform and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Just give Surfline a number, write a check and just let them handle the back end. You handle, of course, the front end. They had Devin Howard and CJ Nelson and some other guys were announcing and they did a great job. Yeah. But more so, even without sound, it was very consumable. Like these are the world's greatest longboarders, both high performance longboarding like Harley Ingleby and Taylor Jensen and sort of the classic older log style with, like um, Chad Marshall and um, Jason Quintal and Justin, Justin. Yeah. Justin Quintal and um, all these guys, Jared Mal and just, you know, that whole crew, Tyler Warren. And I mean, like I say, it was consumable. I immediately tuned in and was engaged watching incredibly long rides at Malibu and insane nose rides, incredible footwork. Like I was kind of like, this is pretty good. Did you care? about the competitive aspect? Did you care who won? I, I mean, I wasn't pulling. I, I haven't yet. It's going to take a while for us to buy into these competitors and to have a, have one that I care about. You know, I, I'm a, I'm good friends with Harley. So I'd like to see Harley do well. Um, in the final of the logger division, I didn't really, I was just more about watching, watching it go down. Yeah. And there was just incredible hanging heels. Like this was like some cutting edge friggin' logging. You know what I mean? I, that's, so I ask that because I like to watch it as well. And of course you have to make it into a competition. If you're going to get a bunch of people there, you have to create some sort of competitive format, but I don't really care who wins. It's like, I would do the same thing as you. I would watch it intently with no concern about who takes home the first prize. And part of that, and that's a problem that they're going to have because part of that is they sort of like the big wave world tour, they sort of promote this, hey, we're all bros, we're all love each other, we're all in this together, let's just go out and put on a show. And that's not consumable for your average fan. Like you and I want to yeah. see rivalries. I want to see that guy hates that guy and watch him kill that guy and do it through this wave. Yeah. And this whole idea that it's a big love fest and let's just have an expression session and we'll split the money, that makes me want to vomit a little bit. Do I owe a dollar? No. Okay, good. So anyway, that's something that they would need to work on. And it sort of goes against the whole ethos of this surf relic thing, I think. Their whole thing is, let's make this an art form. And if you're going to do that, then just take off the jerseys, pay them all an equal $1,500, and let them surf for two hours, and I'll watch it. And yeah. I'll, be, I'll be stoked on it. Right. But if you're going to compete, then friggin' put on your game face and right. do it. And you can't have it both ways. It's like a... It's like getting a surfboard and you're like, I want a fish, but I also want a high performance board. Well, you're going to get a board that has the worst of both aspects. And sure. that's the same with this. We want to compete, but we don't really, we want to love each other and it's all cool and bro. And you know, no, 
Sorry. Well, they have, uh, like you mentioned, a long or a high performance. That's its own division. Right. And then the classic logging is right. a separate division, yes. which I think is smart to separate them. Absolutely. But I also question, do you need the high performance division? Certainly not at Malibu. Right. I mean, the guys were surfing really well, you know, like the, the really, in my opinion, the really good high performance longboarding are the guys that surf like Nat Young surfed in the 66 world titles in San Diego, where he was the first guy doing this really radical rail drop knee cutback. Like you can see Harley Ingleby can do, and a lot of these guys can do that classic Nat Young turn where the knees bent and dropped and the arms are up here. Nat looks pretty cool. And then you combine that with nose rides and it's where they get on the tail and they do the off the lip that I kind of vomit in my mouth a little bit. Every single time I've seen somebody doing that, that you're talking about the off the lip, I think to myself, you should be riding a different board at this point. And, and so I, um, because you could actually hit the lip a lot harder on even an egg, you know, or something else. Yeah. So I don't really see the value or the place in the world for the high performance longboard thing. And I know some of the people you just mentioned have dedicated their life to it. So I hate to, well, hate to say that. What I'm trying to do is refine it. Like, let's say if you do that turn that you and I hate, you get deducted. So you can sort of refine it so that they're doing the high performance bottom turn and the setup to the nose ride. And then that radical Nat Young cut back and they're surfing the rail, but once you start to get into that realm of, I wish I was on a shorter board or this board's the wrong board for that turn, then you get deducted. Right. And like you said, Malibu doesn't lend itself to that anyways. So then why are you even doing the high performance? I would agree. And, and to even take your thought further, if you go to say a beach break, or even they're going to go to trestles next lowers in September, by the way, they have the Hurley permit. Right. Um, and you're doing that off the lip. I'm sorry, but ride a shortboard, dude. Yeah. Like that's really what it comes down to. Like, let's just cut the bullshit. Yeah. That'll be you interesting. Should just be on a shortboard. If you're going to do that, do it better. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that event plays out. I'd be more interested to watch that. Cause I have no idea how the traditionalists, the log well, jam you, version of the exactly. division. Like, I'm, what are you going to do? No, out there? You, you make a great point. That wave calls you to be high performance. Yeah. It begs you to be high performance. Yeah. And so if you and I are arguing against high performance longboarding, because it's just really the wrong, it's a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. You could also argue that lower trestles is a square peg in a round hole for the logging. Yeah. It's now a round hole square peg in a round hole. It's now a square hole with a round peg. It's the opposite. A very large round peg. <laughs> um, what about Griffin's brother, Corey Colapinto? Do you watch him on <laughs> Instagram? Off of the whole relic? No, thing? this is the same. This is the same. Is he a longboard? Yeah. Do you watch him on Instagram? He's surfing Sano him. a bunch. I've seen him. Yeah. How would you even classify his surfing? His is so radical. I mean, it's, you could argue it's high performance because it's, um, evolution of everything that came before it, but he's not, it's more of the drop knee swooping. He'll bank into a lip, but it's not going vert into right. a lip. He's, he's, yes. He'll, he'll end up, he'll then ride a short board and go vert into the lip. But the, the long board he's long boarding he is doing is 
amazingly talented. Like it's yeah. very, very impressive and difficult to do, yeah. but it's based in tradition. Like it's very, very traditional in its kind of foundation. Yeah. There, and it's also, um, I, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, it, it's not like he's doing the turn for points. He's doing those turns because that's the way this board was supposed to be ridden. And he's pushing it to limits that totally. that are really cool, but he, it's he's not jumping the shark. No, with some, you know, arm flare, top turn, bust the fins out on a like nine no two, fin. where I'm trying to get my board as short and as light as possible. So, and if you know, okay, then ride a five five. No, he'll ride like nine foot balsa. No, that's my yeah. yeah. No, I get it. But he'll do like drop knee cutbacks. But it's sincere. And then switch his stance and bank off the whitewash. It's incredible, yeah. And then come back into it and get up on the nose. And then he'll end up like doing a floater while he's doing like the nose ride. So it's all, it's all traditional stuff, but just done really radically. That's insane. It's I, really cool. He, that's, that's where I think it goes. I think that's where logging goes. And there's just this fine line mm-hmm. between, and I think, you know, Joel Tudor would probably argue it's about the board design. If we limit, you know, the board design, if it's got to be a single fin, then we'll, we're fine. We're good. We don't have to worry about the guy doing, although I tell you, cause I used to ride performance longboards in competitions against guys like Israel Paskowitz and a lot of really Jeff Kramer, a lot of really good surfers. And they would ride Stuart single fins that for all intent and intents and purposes were, could be considered tri-fins in that right. were super light. Yeah. They were single fins, but I mean, these were high performance single right. fins. And they didn't have the flow and the weight and the volan and the carry that sort of the log that with the 50-50 rail all the way through the rail have. So, and I, because I also, I got to admit, I also don't like putting parameters on no, it. I don't like do putting I. parameters on design. Like, well, let's move forward. But, and so there's this fine line between, and I think Colapinto is pushing it to where it needs to go. My, the other side of that, coin is Alex Nost, who's writing equipment that actually degrades his surfing. Like he's a more talented surfing than the equipment, a surfer than the equipment allows him to be. You mean when he rides the mid lengths? No, even the logs, the logs, even like he's really struggling to get the thing to maneuver, but he's a freakish talent. You know what I mean? And I'm watching him going, Oh man, I just wish that you would allow that you would ride something that the design wasn't based in 1968. I wish you would ride something from 75. Yeah. It would be that much more interesting to watch. But who am I to tell somebody how they should surf, especially when they're uber talent? You know what I mean? But I have to have have that conversation and question with myself once they're publishing it as a um, surf event that is expected to get viewers. I'm going, well, I'm a viewer and I have these conflicts in my brain, but I think the fact that you enjoyed watching it is a step in the right direction. The well, relic, a lot of that the was the perfect wave. I mean, Malibu is a fun wave to watch guys on longboards surf. It exactly. really is. It was yeah. made, especially first point. So I think that this Trestles event in September is they need to, they need to hooey up next week about this. This is going to make or break this relic thing because I think it's going to be on Surfline. Everyone's going to be watching it. It's in September at lowers. It could be eight feet. And I think it could be an incredible opportunity for Untitled Arts, who I think is the spot. The backstory on this is kind of interesting, too. But anyway, it's going to be a make or break. They they really need to determine judging and what it's going to be all about. And, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I'm know? glad for it. I am, too. No, I'm super psyched on it. I mean, like I say, 
I just randomly tuned in and was engaged for a solid hour. And then I watched the final. I came back to it, you know, and uh, well, it was pretty good. But they have to really understand the opportunity that's in front of them and do their best with it. And I'm sure they do, but yeah, it's important here. This one's going to be really big. I think the timing is right. Like we're all interested to watch the duct tape invitational that doesn't happen frequently enough. And it only, it's not live streamed. So we don't really get to satiate our need. Sate? Sated? (laughs) I'm I'm just going to stick with satiate. Uh, We don't get to fulfill our need for watching more traditional style of surfing. And so I think that surf relic, by the way, surf relic.com, um, is really offering an opportunity to service that. So I'm curious to see what happens. Did you, do you know who won the event? Chad Marshall won the traditional. Okay. Um, good. The final was Jared Mel, Justin Quintal, some guy, I think an English guy or something. I didn't quite catch the other guy. And then Chad Marshall and Chad won. And I'm, well, the problem is I'm on their website right now and there's not a list of the winners. Yeah, that's I can a, click on to rewatch the live stream on Surfline from yesterday, or I can watch the highlights from day two, but they need. Oh, okay. Maybe I just scrolled down. Here it is. Did you get it? Um, I'm going to click and see what happens. Yes. Women. Lindsay Steinreed won over Justine Mauvin. And in the men's modern division, Taylor Jensen won over Adam Griffiths. And in the classic division, Chad Marshall, Jared Mel, Justin Quintal, and Andy Neblis in fourth. I love Yeah, Andy that guy Neblis. Andy's insane. He's I just posted so awesome. an Instagram of him riding the board upside down, fin first. Yeah, that's right. Such a freak show, dude. Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. By the way, um, in the world of surf competitions outside of the WSL, your buddy Jake Howard wrote a story about this planetary punt competition. It's like a $20,000 prize purse for whoever posts the best aerial through the course of a year starts on June 1st, ends on June 1st, 2019. And it's all online. You tag, you got to tag the right thing. And then it, the people hosting the organization just pick a winner at the end. I think it's an interesting concept, but I was, I was also thinking it might be more interesting if you did, let's say 20,000 bucks over the course of the year and divide that into 12 months. So whatever the dollar amount is, and just award one every month. I totally agree. Just, hey, every single month, whoever does the best air that month, we're going to pick the winner on the first of the following month, and that person will get the 1350 bucks or whatever the totally dollar agree. is. I mean, you could almost argue every week. Uh, the social media format just begs to give it to me now. Don't. I'm going to forget. Stretching it out Do you over even know year? who the world champion of the WSL is? La- from last year? See what I mean? You, I swear to God. I was John think- John. Yes, but I thought about this morning, and I was like, I forgot. Who is the world champ? Yeah. He's, that's out. The He's way out for J-Bay, by the way. He's not yeah, in. I know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I totally. That's exactly what it is. Our attention span is too short. Dragging it out over a year. Do you know who won the wave of the winner this year? Is that even a thing? I know. <laughs> I know. A listener sent this There's to me. There's too much. A listener sent it to me and was like, I'm going to guess. Do you even know? I think, was oh, it Baron, Baron Mamaya or Mamaya? Mamaya? No. Mamaya. I think it might have been Nathan Florence, but oh, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, for yeah. sure. But he sent could have been it to Koa Rothman. Who knows? Could have been. The listener was like, "How sad is it that this is just like off everybody's radar?" And the reason I didn't discuss it when he sent it was, I did that story last year. This exact conversation we had last year. I remember about 
And we still don't know who won two years ago. No, <laughs> we don't remember it. It's like they they almost they oversaturate Surfline with it, where it's like you're allowed to submit any single wave. So there ends up being a bunch of um, you know contenders that don't even deserve to be in there, and right. you waste your time watching eight waves that are average at backdoor. And so you go, oh, I'm not going to watch nine and ten. It seems like every year it's Reef Macintosh or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is it just me or is it? But yeah, he's in the much. contention every year. Too much, like. Yeah. The same problem exists with the ISA. I get an ISA press release every year about some world championship. And it's like, didn't they just have those? And it, it, it's like, I, for, I gave up. I give up. I, I, I don't know. But that kind of speaks against what we're saying. But in a social media instant every week. There's a way to do it, it correctly. There is. Yeah. There's a way to do it correctly. The other thing is um, the surf industry is kind of notorious for not um, like they put out this big prize purse who and, collects it and it just dies off oh who collects you know what i mean like yeah does anybody ever <laughs> actually get paid and i'm not saying like for this company that's hosting this i have no idea but just in a year from now we might have forgotten about it is there somebody checking these things you know no. like chaz where's surf journalism when you need it by the way surf no journalism doesn't friggin yeah, there's exist. no such thing um, I'm on this unite, uh, untitled arts, right? And these are the people behind relic. Okay. And this is sort of their mission statement. Okay. Um, longboarding is an art form unto itself. Every board shape ride and moment ripe with potential to express ourselves uniquely. It's our mission to reconnect the world with this soulful, artful, and somewhat overlooked side of the sport. Relic is here to give longboarding and the lifestyle associated with it the respect it deserves. So that's from the untitled. If you go to about, because this is sort of like mysterious, right? Like who is Relic? I don't right. even know anything about him. Devin will tell you. Well, I'm going to read it for you yeah. right now. It was founded in 2014 by Danny Erico and Bridget D. Annabelle. De Annabelle. Anyway, my apologies. I'm sure I butchered that last name. A partnership born out, born from a seamless collaboration on Hanley's North Shore. What does that even mean? Born from a seamless <laughs> collaboration. What's a seamed collaboration? Hanley's North Shore that unified their half century of experience in art development. What were you developing? Right. Homes. Did they develop like the golf course there? Developing Curation seamless relationships. Design. I just hate these like large, grandiose words. It's like, what or, does that even mean? It's just flowery, it's flowery just flower, language yeah. to describe something that is Seamless isn't. collaboration. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Having founded Equinox, I don't know what that is, and the James Hotel Group. Oh, it is hotel Equinox. development. Equinox is a gym. Okay. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So now I get it. They were developing homes. They meant it literally. Erico's expertise elevating <laughs> lifestyle and hospitality landscapes connected with Bridget's ability to create deeply personal experiences through art and design naturally evolved into untitled arts. So I just love reading the yeah. the backstory to the backstory. So these two hooked up over a cocktail in Honolulu and made glorious yeah. love. And <laughs> at the core is a thoughtfulness for every detail, brush, stroke, space, and environment that untitled arts creates. An, intrin an intrinsic understanding of the process of doing these things right. Otherwise, it's not worth doing at all. It is a philosophy made manifest, resulting in projects that are reimagined in a holistic marriage of architectural art design, art design and art. Is that too much? Nope. Growing with the next generation of people 
that Untitled Arts brings into the folds, the vision remains constant to make with intent and authenticity. That seems a little unauth unauthentic, but anyway. Whatever. I don't know. Are artists just a little too self-important? <laughs> just kind of like, okay, great. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just insecure about it all. I wish I was as cool as these people. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably situation specific. Like, I mean, it's a super well done website, yeah, right? It's, it's just, rad. but it's so well done. It's not very authentic. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. It looks cool. Look. Um, oh, look, Bridget Deanna Bell is obviously this gorgeous blonde artist, and I'm just like clicked on art, and I'm looking through, and there's some really cool stuff, and it looks like they have like an artist of the month or something or I don't know. I'm okay with the idea of a group of artists showcasing yeah. surfing rather than a group of competitive organize, you know, or like an organizing a group body. of Paul speakers. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Paul, geez. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's sort of our, Paul, we love you. You're just our generic, like evil guy. You're like Roger Goodell. You're like the NFL. You're like the commissioner of sport that everyone loves to hate. Um, well, I, in the interest of time, you know, I got to bail in a few minutes. Oh, yes. Um, do you want to, do you have any closing segments before we get I into got a bunch. I mean, I mean, just real quick. I'm going to say we have a new world champion. His name's Brett Barley from the outer banks. When you think of the purple blob tour, Brett Barley is the guy that's chasing the purple blobs and doing vlogs, video blogs about it all. And he does, does it well. And my musty moment, then, wait, who, he's the world champ of what? Of the purple blob tour. I, when you say Purple Blob Tour, I think of big wave chargers. Brett Barley's getting swell around the world, but he's not a big wave charger. Hey, look, you chase Purple Blobs, you're going to... He's I getting barrel. No, I don't think big wave chargers. I think the world tour needs to be the Purple Blob Tour, where right. you chase low pressures, which are generating incredible ground swells to perfect locations, and you get 8 to 10 foot J-Bay, or 8 to 6 foot to 8 foot Nambia, that left point that he Namibia. chased. Namibia? Namibia. 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 I don't know. I've not been. <clears throat> All right. But so he's the world champ. You're just declaring. I'm just declaring right now. This week we have a new world champ. Every what did purple he do? blob. What did he do? I don't. I chased, the just, most recent video I saw of him was from the wave pool. Right. Well, that's my point. That's not a purple blob. In a weird way, it is. No, like he, he saw a brand new wave pop up. He went there and vlogged it. So, got caught some good waves. Then the next month he goes to Nambia. He chases another purple blob. No, he hasn't been. That was Oliver Kurz and Koa. No, he, Smith. No, there's an insane piece on okay. him. He was there with Koa and okay. Oliver Kurz. Okay, that's what I was asking. That's yeah. what I meant. Now to Koa ask. got the wave, probably you know the most incredible yeah, wave yeah. ever from a drone footage. Like that's insane. Yeah. But I'm saying, look, every contest a guy gets a better wave, but the eventual winner is Brett Barley. This I just this week's champion. Good to know. I'm unaware because my recent memory of Brett Barley was his video from the Wave Pool, which has nothing to do with the Purple Blob Tour. Because I would no, I would give Koa based on everything you just said. I'm giving Koa Smith. The Koa ti- didn't the go to the Wave Pool because there's no Purple Blob there. Let me just say the this. only Purple there's Blob. No Purple Blob. Why do they have a Wave Pool on the WCT World Championship Tour? Right. Look, that's a wave point. popped up. Barley chased it down. That's my point. When waves pop up, you chase them down. That's what the Purple Blob Tour is all about. When the waves pop up, you chase them down. You I don't saw wait it. around and hope in June it's good. Yeah. 
I saw some overweight people hanging out in the kiddie pool next to the wave pool that looked there, like purple me. blobs, actually. <laughs> it was a purple bathing suit. Okay, what's your must-see moment? My must-see moment is kind of unlikely. There was a lot of interesting video stuff this week. There was. Um, oh, oh Dusty's Dusty Payne's documentary. We mentioned that last time. No, it just happened. Oh, oh there was the preview for it last, it last time. time. The video just dropped since the last. The just dropped better. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Scott. Um <laughs> So the Dusty Payne documentary just dropped. That's a collaboration between Surfer Mag and Volcom. It's 20 minutes long. Um, the Rob Machado on the Aki cast was actually really entertaining. I know Aki, we've kind of given a hard time to as an interviewer, but Rob's a fascinating figure. They go deep into his history, competitive, and whatever. It was, it was very good. I liked it a lot. Um, but the, my must-see moment is none of those. It's actually... Luke Davis in his new film, Bring Us a Dream. Scott's rolling his eyes for anybody who can't see, everybody who can't see. My The reason why this is my favorite is... Because um, your bros are Luke? No. Luke has such a rad style. Luke He's a great reminds me about fundamentals and style and how important they are. The most important. The most. There's because nothing more important. You, you look at, I mean, Griffin's got rad style too, but there's nothing that Luke is doing that Griffin can't do. There's no big finner or crazy air or anything like that, but it's so enjoyable to watch. It's beautiful to watch. And he gets a really amazing right barrel to close out the segment. And it's at a spot that I'm sure you're, you know, and I know, and I've been there and I've seen it. The, it's really unbelievably tricky. And in all the years I've been seeing people try it? to catch I mean, it. Give me the exact I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Oh my God. This is where surfers are the worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's no denying that. Okay. But um, it's a really, really tricky wave to surf. And even the best, it looks fine, but even the best surfers in the world don't make waves out there. And Luke gets the trickiest of them all and makes it. So, oh, cool. but his style is just really, really beautiful. And I, I would love to do one turn in my life that looked like any one of his turns. So Luke Davis, bring us a dream is my must see moment. Cool. I'll check that out. That's that was not on my radar. My must see moment is Peaky Blinders Love it. season four on Netflix. Okay. And the whole thing, if you can binge watch Peaky Blinders, super good a show about post-World War One gypsy gangsters in England. It's fascinating. My Duke Coa Smith, what is probably the greatest captured tube ride perhaps ever. Um, and, uh, I don't have a kook. I got, um, I got one for you. Okay. The Aloha surf girls. Yes. Are, they, are, are these the pornographic surf schools? This, this is, is like the all prostitute surf school or something. There's no prostitution, oh, Scott. I, I, That's slander. I don't know. I, I it's topless surf lessons. Okay. 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 Yeah. Unless you want to pay extra. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that, that actually is the extra cost is the topless version. So, quote, the owner, Aaron, um, quote, somebody needs to put sex back in surfing. When was it she, taken away? <laughs> she told this conversation to Rory Parker um, of stabmag.com. He posted this article and she said, uh, and hopefully it'll make women more comfortable topless. When I surf topless, I get more waves. This is from Aaron. Oh, my God. And, it's all based in selfish. I'm not going to get mine. Maybe. I didn't even think of that angle. So alohasurfgirls.com, you can check out their Instagram account. She's doing topless surf lessons on the North Shore where it is legal to go topless, by the way. It doesn't hurt your nipples if you're paddling around. Has to, has to. Maybe they so, wear like little nipple covers. Pasties. Yeah. Well, it turns out she was an exotic dancer too, so she probably no has pasties. <laughs> shocker. That's a total shocker. So um, 
from Rory's article, the genesis of Wright's business springs from those days as an exotic dancer. She realized that the rapport she established with clients in the champagne room would translate into an alternative career in the ocean. Teaching someone to surf is about establishing trust and building connection with a total stranger. Classes are available in various tiers. A run-of-the-mill, top-on lesson will run you 100 bucks to 120 per person with couples prices at $400. A private lesson the quote topless VIP surf SUP you imagine it experience is priced at $800. So here's the deal, Scott. She is my kook of the week, but not because of topless um, surf lessons. Like I'm actually not against that. Actually, it's fine. Do what you want to do. It's the fact that she is a kook giving surf lessons. You watch any one of her videos and it's like, is she the one learning how to surf or is she the one and she's the one giving the lessons. So she's solely basing her business of surf lessons off of being topless. There's very little skill or talent in the actual surfing. So she is my kook for really um, trying to mooch off of our culture and our surf world just to make a buck by going topless. Cause she's not a surf. other surf schools on the North shore, like uncle, um, um, uh, who's the guy? Um, Surratt, Brian Surratt. Like, is he okay with this? Is this part of his gig? Is this part of his deal? Or I wonder if it's cut into his business. Mm. You know, mm. like tourists who would normally go to him are like, whoa, wait a second, let's go over there. Or tourists that go to him are like, oh, this is kind of I'm offended by this over here on the left, or what? You know, like, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> but so AlohaSurfGirls.com, check it out. But my Duke Scott is yeah. Scott Holt for SUPing to a meeting in New York City across the Hudson River <laughs> wearing a full suit and tie oh, SUPing across the harbor really Did he was run- sh- patent leather shoes on too he looked fully decked out for work right. like he's literally his jacket's flapping in the wind somebody filmed him off a ferry with their cell phone he was and then the news reporters chased him down after the fact and got the story he was late for a meeting and he knew he wouldn't make it with traffic. So he got on his stand up paddleboard and SUP'd and made it to his meeting. He made it across the Hudson River in 30 minutes. Wow. Um, There's a lot of currents in that river. And it was windy. Wow. He was charging it. That sounds gnarly. Was he so, downwind or into the wind? It was like crosswind. Oh. It was not favorable. That's not good. Yeah. But I how really. Windy? How much wind do you know? Like, no. They didn't, they didn't clock it, but visually it was windy. Okay. So he's my Duke because. That is bold. And I'm not like, not all SU, you could easily, because he's SUPing, throwing him in the kook category, but I applaud it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I really don't care either way, but. Come on. But my feeling is if he did it for exposure. No, he didn't. If he, if it was purely, oh my God, I'm late. This is the only way I'm going to make it. Then I applaud. That's what happened. Yeah, that's cool. And here's my question to you is all the news outlets are referring to it as paddle boarding. And when I talk to people um, outside of the surf world, they always refer to it as paddleboarding. I think we need to correct this. I think we need to stake a claim hard. That is stand-up paddling. That is SUPing. That is not paddleboarding, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's most of us would say, "Oh, he supped across." Or... Yeah, but you're there's a distinction. There is prone paddleboarding. Yeah, and there is stand-up paddling. I think. I think trying to determine this distinction though makes us kooks. Like we're not trying to determine it. There's a the guy laying down, care? and there's I guess a guy what I'm saying standing. Is why do you really care? 
Because if somebody says, hey, I went paddleboarding, I automatically think of them as laying on the board paddling. Well, you could say, did you stand up or down on your belly? I don't, why would I have to do half the work of this conversation? Like you, you should don't tell me. You have to, but you you're should the one be, that's upset by it. Why not you, just say good for you? Well, because I'm engaged in this hum, in this relationship with this human being and I want to be able to, you know, yeah, but support you're not even their willing efforts. to ask him if it was on his feet or was he lying down when he did it? Because to you, that's too much of well. Because I'd rather get to, that you're not being told. I'd rather get to the meat and potatoes of the conversation and be like, "Oh, how far did you go? Where did you go? All those details." If that's I have to back question, you're just no, asking no, no. if you're yeah, exactly. Or... And I'm now doing ninety percent of the work, and you're going to do ten percent by <laughs> no, only you're giving doing me five percent. No, one simple no, question. no, because you could be deliberate with your language and be like, "Oh, dude, I paddled or I sup'd." You got to take this my, call. Should we put my son on the, on the radio? All right, I'll close out the show. Take your son's <laughs> no, call. No, no, no. We don't have, I just thought it'd be fun to listen to what he has to say. Uh, hey, dude, can I borrow something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I borrow your spy sunglasses uh, well, again? I, anyway. I, Those are two different I things. I question so why if you, you're upset. Because I think language matters and you should be deliberate when you're talking to somebody. So if but you, they don't even know. So if you they went, don't even know. If you it's went, not like they know the That's difference. why we need to educate them. If you went and bodyboarded this weekend and then you came back and go, hey, I went surfing this weekend. Is that okay? You yeah. were you were laying? That is okay. Why not? Okay, well, I'm claiming from this point on that you're a bodyboarder. <laughs> that is not a... Actually, you know what? However you enjoy the, your, your free time with Aaron James in the back of your head... Riding waves. It's all good. All right, so you enjoy bodyboarding. I do, actually. Scott is a bodyboarder. I will ride a wave any way I want and be Uh, good with it. And mostly you're laying down prone on a a boogie board. How about that? All right, well, um, I've got that video on spitpodcast.com of the guy SUPing, plus our must-see moments, plus Aloha Surf Girls, and everything we discussed in this episode, Scott, spitpodcast.com. Spit. And oh, you, I'm going up to Channel Islands this week to interview Scott Anderson, the general really? manager of Channel Islands Surfboards. Yeah. Awesome. So that'll be on the Boardroom Podcast awesome. hopefully soon. And hopefully I can get Chaz going too. Yeah. Soon. Awesome. Yeah. Make that happen. And then um, shout out to, of course, neatessentials.com for supporting this show and spyoptic.com. Use promo code podcast. Everything you need for the beach and you're protecting your eyes. And Thank you, sponsors. All of it. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Scott Bass. Okay, until next time, adios and aloha.